Okay, keep your hands up. For those of you that have one, that's great. You don't have to look around and, and do anything. Just keep your hands up for a second. I've got a couple other questions for you. Um, how many of you check your account at least every week? Those of you who have your hand up, at least every week. See, some hands went down. I like you already. Um, how many of you check it at least every couple of days? Okay. How many of you check it like every day, like religiously? Okay. How many of you check it like five times a day? Ten? Twenty? More than 20? Okay, get a life, right? <laughs> Just kidding, obviously. Um, now, for those of you who uh, maybe have been in hibernation uh, since the 1980s, uh, Facebook is this social media interface that allows people to post a profile, which you, know, you can tell about yourself. You can list your religious views. Uh, you can tell people your political status what relationship you're in, post you know, where you went to school, your educational stuff like that. You can post pictures and even videos about yourself or other people. You can do that on what's called your wall. And your wall is a snapshot of what you want people to know about you. It's, it's the image that you uh, portray to people. Uh, social networking is, is big, and Facebook is far and away the leader uh, in this. Facebook describes itself as helping you connect and share with people in your life. And, and in this series, we want to ask the question, how well? How well does it really do those things? With every profile and post and picture, every happy birthday wish and support my cause and an event invitation and every comment, connecting seems to have become really more superficial than ever before. And while we kind of understand that with Facebook, there's that element of superficiality that comes with it, it's really not how we want to describe our relationships in general, is it? We don't want to have those superficial relationships. We want to have sincere relationships with our friends. We want to have sincere relationships with God. And what we're going to try to do over the next few weeks is, is look at those two aspects. We're going to use some Facebook lingo and some illustrations and things like that along the way just to kind of spice it up a little bit. Today we're going to talk about, about my profile, the image that we project of ourselves. And research shows that there's a lot of pretenders on Facebook, all right? People who are faking it. People who, who puff up their profiles to impress other people. People who post things on their wall to belittle other people and to make themselves look good to their friends. And the, the truth of the matter is, that as I thought through that, we're kind of guilty of doing the same thing when it comes to our spiritual life sometimes. Grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 23. Uh, if you brought your Bible with you, you can turn there. If you didn't and there's a blue Bible somewhere close to you, it's page 700 there. Um, and encourage you to bring your Bibles with you as we're going to be looking at several uh, texts, uh, not only this week, but in the coming weeks as well. In this particular passage, we find Jesus at the temple addressing the religious leaders of the day. And in that address, he calls these religious leaders hypocrites. He calls them pretenders. And he's saying basically that they're puffing up their profiles. They're, they're posting comments that make themselves look good, but really, they're just faking it. They're hiding behind some image that that really doesn't exist and it really doesn't represent who they truly are. And Jesus is going to expose them. Jesus was pretty tough on the religious leaders of the day who saw themselves as superior to everyone else. He wants them to, to understand. He wants to get their attention so that they will realize that, that they are sinners just like everyone else. And they need grace just like everyone else. And, and Jesus is talking to them about their profile of self-righteousness. And I invite you to grab your, bio, your bulletin and turn to the back of that. And you can follow along and take a few notes as we go through this this morning. And, and as we do that, let me tell you this. This is a really difficult thing to teach on. It, it really is, because 
some of the symptoms of self-righteousness are, are that it's really difficult to see self-righteousness in yourself. You can see it in others who are posting those fake profiles and, and all those things, but it's really hard to see it in yourself sometimes. And the longer you're in church, the harder, I believe, that it becomes to see that self-righteousness in yourself. So this morning, I, I, I want you to, to understand that as we look at what Jesus has to say about this topic, I want to encourage all of us not to think about everyone else and go, oh yeah, I know a person. Let's, let's examine ourselves. Let's really think about ourselves as we go through this this morning. Um, Jesus is, is going to talk about self-righteousness and, and motivation. Look at verse 5 of Matthew chapter 20, 23. Everything they do is done for people to see. Now, he's talking about the religious leaders. And, and the reason these, these religious leaders do all their super spiritual things is because they desire to be seen. They have this desire to be seen by people. They want to impress people. Um, Jesus says in, in somewhere, another passage of Scripture that they're living for the applause of men. They are doing these things so that they could be noticed. It wasn't about honoring God any longer. It was about being recognized to show off and to impress people. And I think that if we're honest with ourselves, there's some pretending that still goes on today. There's, there's this tendency to, to portray this profile that is um, you know, not, maybe not real. And we do that in lots of ways. We, if to use Facebook lingo, we, we post Christian as our religious view, right? We, we go to church. We, we give money. We say churchy things whenever we're in the right crowds. Oh, I feel so blessed. God is so good. We, we say those things because we feel like they're the appropriate things to say. But a lot of times it doesn't match how we live our daily life. And so the question that we have to each ask ourselves is, why do we do these things? Why do we do the things that we are doing. The problem is that oftentimes we have been taught the right things to do, but we haven't been taught to have the right heart. We have learned a lot about behavior modification, but not heart transformation. And there's a huge difference between those two. We've been taught how to be religious with God, but not how to have that relationship with God. And, and we try to impress other people. Sometimes we even are guilty of trying to impress God. But God has no use for those things because they're not real. Jesus applies this teaching to his audience. He, he's, he makes this comment and then, then he applies it. Why? Because the transformation takes place whenever you take the scriptures and you don't just read it, you apply it. So, so what's Jesus trying to say? He says, everything they do is done for people to see, continuing in verse 5. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garment long. Now, when I read that, I'm like, excuse me, What? What is he talking about? You know, this doesn't make any sense. After a little research, it's, it's easy to see that Jesus was trying to address these Pharisees' uh, desire to, to portray themselves as spiritual and, and that they believed that their spiritual depth was demonstrated by their appearance, by their profile. A self-righteous person has a tendency to look on the outside of a person and make judgments about that person's relationship with God and, and how spiritual they really are. In the Old Testament... God told the people to write the scriptures on their heads and on their arms. Now, never was meant to be literal, okay? The writer wanted to communicate that we needed to have the things of God, the scriptures, on our minds. They, they needed to be occupying our minds and, and our arms and our hands. We needed to be busy doing the things that scripture teaches. It's very figurative language. But, of course, the Pharisees, they decided to take it literally. And so they would write the scriptures on a piece of parchment. And then they would take the scriptures and they would put them in these black leather boxes, okay? 
It started off pretty small. These black leather boxes, and they had a strap on them. And what they would do is they would literally take those boxes and they would strap them, you know, like a headband. They would strap this box to their head and to their arms. And they'd walk around with their phylacteries on their head and on their arms. Okay? And what happened over the course of time was those boxes became bigger and bigger and bigger to show how spiritual they were because they were putting the words of God in their minds, on their minds and on their hands and on their arms. And it didn't really work, did it? Think about if we were to do that today. Now, I'm glad that we don't do anything like that today. So grab your little bitty Bibles and I'm going to read to you from this. Now, disclaimer, if this is the only type of Bible you have, then I hope you read it and I hope you take it with you and do those things. But most of us, we're not exactly going to walk around at work, right? We're not going to go to school with one of these. We're not going to sit in the break room with, with something like this. But a Bible this size, you know, look how spiritual I am. Hi, everyone. I have my Bible, right? It's just kind of a way of showing off, right? And that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were saying, look at how spiritual I am. Look at my phylacteries. Look at my scriptures. I'm impressive, aren't I? Well, that's what people do. They want to be seen as super spiritual. Um, they wanted things to be appearing different than maybe they really were. And the next thing Jesus addresses is the length of their garments. And specifically in the Old Testament, they were told to have this blue strip of cloth, a blue ribbon on the edge of their garments. And, and over time, this ribbon became longer and longer and longer and longer because the idea was that the longer your blue ribbon, the more spiritual you were. And so the tendency that Jesus is addressing is of this self-righteous person to, to try to use their body as this billboard to proclaim how spiritual they really are. And I'm really glad that, that we don't do anything like that today. Like Christian t-shirts. Now, I may offend someone here this morning. I don't really mean to, but hopefully you'll get the point. You can't read it. It says, who you know determines where you'll go. Know Jesus. A good message, right? Nothing wrong with it. Here's, here's another one. God's property, right? There you go. Bought and paid for. There you go. Here's another one. Standing in the gap, right? And the gap stands for God answers prayers. Now, anything wrong with any of these? Well, no, not necessarily. But it's kind of a way of just showing how spiritual we are, right? Trying to be billboards. Hey, look at me. Look at me. I wear a Christian t-shirt. See how spiritual I am? Now, see, this exists on both sides of the spectrum. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. In my church-going experience, I've seen people that, that think because they dress up and dress nice to come to church that that makes them spiritual because they're coming prepared to worship. And then I see people who come in in jeans and t-shirt and they go, you know what, God's okay with me in jeans and t-shirt, so obviously I've got it more figured out than that person wearing the tie. You know, the, the, the thing about it is, is it doesn't matter what you wear. It really doesn't matter what you wear. What matters is your heart. What matters is, is your motivation. That's what's important to Jesus. That's the point he's trying to make. And there's a great danger whenever we start to assign spirituality based on someone's outward appearance, one way or the other. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, that man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. You see, we need to be authentic. Authenticity, by definition, is being who you really are. And the only way to have an intimate, true relationship is by being who you really are. But whenever we focus on the outside, we get caught up in this formality of things. And, and this formality becomes this barrier to intimacy. And it's, 
It's in true relationships that, that we can truly have intimacy. And, and God wants that in our relationship with each other. He wants that in our relationship with Him. Think about it this way. Let me take you back. For some of you, this is way back. Some of you, it's happening right now. Whenever you were dating someone, whenever you start dating someone, you do your best to look impressive, right? You do things that you may or may not normally do. You wear nicer clothes. You may even iron your clothes, right? You fix your hair, you put on makeup, you shave your legs. You do these things because you're trying to impress. But maybe that's not exactly real. It's not always real. Uh, you, You want to impress that person. But guys, I'm just talking to the guys. Ladies, you can listen if you want to. Guys, when did you know or when will you know if this relationship really has a chance to be something special. I'll tell you when. It's the first time you see her in jeans, a t-shirt, no makeup, and her hair pulled back. That's when you'll know. Now, it's fun for Michelle and I to dress up and go out sometimes and you know go to places, but nothing can compare to seeing her in jeans, a t-shirt, no makeup, and her hair pulled back. I think God wants us to have that same type of relationship with Him. A no-makeup type of relationship where we're just who we are with Him. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't wear makeup to church, okay? Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm, what I'm saying. Let's not get carried away. But what I am saying is, let's not get caught up in this, this spiritual thing that we think we're doing by judging people by what they look like. Let's not get to the point where we think that what's on the outside determines our worth or our status or our relationship with God. We don't want to have that, that spirit that judges someone just by how they look on the outside. And can I tell you, That's one of the things I love about this church. That's one of the things I love about PCC. The the common refrain I hear from visitors whenever I I get the opportunity to talk to them is how welcome they feel, how accepted they feel. They didn't know anybody, but someone said hi, and it may have just been one person, it may have been a lot of people, but they just felt accepted for who they were. They didn't feel judged at all, and they felt welcomed. Can I tell you thank you? Can I tell you to keep it up? Can I, can I encourage you and, and challenge you to continue accepting and loving people regardless of what they look like or who they are or anything like that? Because God wants us to be uh, impressed by who they are, not what they look like. We need to help people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ every day. And that's what we've been called to do. Jesus continues his talk by addressing Some other ways that these religious leaders were trying to be self-righteous, verse 6, he says, they loved the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They loved to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to be called rabbi by others. But But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. Jesus is talking to these self-righteous people that like to to be sure that they're seen talking to the right people and and eating at the right places and and attending the right social function and living in the right township or the right borough. And and they're talking about their tendency to want to be sure that they're called by the right title and to have the right credentials behind their name and to make sure everybody knows what school they went to. And and Jesus says it's really all a part of them just kind of puffing up their profiles. It's it's not really real. It's self-righteousness. It's hypocrisy. And the scary thing is, I think we do that as well. There are, there are some who support great causes on Facebook, like feeding the hungry, so that other people will notice how culturally relevant and sensitive they are. But the truth of the matter is, they've never given a dime to support the cause, and they've never physically done anything to change hunger in the world either. There are people who like to, to post 
comments of criticism about someone else's wall post so that everyone will know how enlightened that they are. But offline, their life is lived contrary to the convictions they portray. There, there are some who have memorized important verses of the Bible like love your neighbor as yourself while people at work shuffle by like strangers. There are those who just assume that the purpose of the church and the purpose of the music and the purpose of the message and the purpose of the ministries is to make me feel good and to make me feel happy. There are some who, if we're honest, we secretly delight in other people's failures because it makes us feel a little better about ourselves. There are some among us who even consider ourselves to be super spiritual because, you know what, I'm following rules. They're not even in here, but I'm, I'm following those too. And that's what makes me really good. And, and you know what? I'm going to make sure you do the same as I'm doing. I'm going to make sure you toe the line. And we, we set ourselves up to be, to be super spiritual, and, and we do those things. And, and there's some, can I just tell you, there's some of you who are thinking about someone else. You think I'm talking about someone else? When I'm talking about you, I'm talking about me. You see, this, this self-righteousness is, is something that I think we, we all struggle with on one level or another, and we need to be aware of it. In verse 11, Jesus gives the remedy for this self-righteous profile. Here's what he says. He says, the greatest among you will be your what? Say it together. The greatest among you will be your, your servant. The best remedy for a profile of self-righteousness is sacrificial service. It's sacrificial service. Sacrificial service done without ulterior motives. Can I encourage you to examine yourself and answer this question? When no one else is around, how do you treat people? How do you treat people? So here's the challenge, the first of two challenges this morning. Challenge number one is this. This week, your challenge is to serve someone in hiddenness. Now, I know hiddenness isn't a word in the dictionary, so just get, get over that, all right? Hiddenness. Serve someone in secret if you don't like hiddenness. It works later, you'll understand. But here's, here's the thing. That's the antidote for a self-righteous profile. The greatest among you, Jesus says, will be your servant. So find a way to serve, and then don't announce it. Don't post it on your, you know, your profile. Hey, guess what I did today? No, just do it in secret, and find a way to serve someone and to love someone. The verse continues, The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And that's not the only time Jesus uses this phrase and this terminology in Luke chapter 18. Jesus tells the story of two men. One of them is a Pharisee, the religious leader of the day. The other is a tax collector. He's a crook. Uh, they are kind of on opposite ends of this spiritual spectrum that we're talking about. This, the Pharisee, he was certified holy, all right? This, that was his job, to be holy. The tax collector, he wasn't just a sinner. He sinned for a living. That's, that's just what he did. And here we have Jesus talking about them. And in verse 9 of, of Luke chapter 18, he says this, "...to some who were confident of their own righteousness." and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. And Jesus gives us this profile. And here's the first thing I want you to know. Profile superstars, what I'm calling them, profile superstars are self-conscious but they're not self-aware. They're self-conscious, but they're not self-aware. In other words, they're very much concerned about how other people see them, but they're not real concerned about seeing themselves very accurately. And the problem is this, with this is that 
sometimes you start to believe your own act. You start to believe your own superstar profile, even though it's not real and it's not true. Can I tell you, this is a real danger for anyone that's in leadership, but it's really a danger for pastors. As a pastor, uh, there's some people that put me up on a pedestal, and they, they look at me and say, wow, he's that really super spiritual guy. He knows the Bible forwards and backwards. And, and he has, you know, he hangs out with Christians all the time. And he's got God on speed dial, you know, just that direct connect. And the challenge for me is to not start believing the hype. Because that can lead to a load of self-righteousness. Yes, I may work at a church. And yes, I may have a Bible degree. But that doesn't mean I don't still have doubts and questions. It doesn't mean I still don't have room to grow and mature and and." and to become more Christ-like. It's being self-aware, and I think we all need to be self-aware. We need to not only be self-conscious, but we need to be self-aware. The second thing that a profile superstar does is, I'll tell you what we love to do, we love to compare. We love to compare ourselves. Notice who the Pharisee compares himself. He doesn't compare himself to Joseph or, or Moses or, or anybody like that. Instead, he compares himself to the adulterer and the tax collector and the robbers. And that's what we tend to do too, isn't it? In our self-righteous moments, we say, you know what, yeah, I may show up late to church, but I'm not as late as... Right? Yeah, I may watch that TV show, but it's not as bad as... And we compare ourselves that way. But we compare ourselves to people who, in our minds at least, are a few religious rungs lower on the ladder. And that kind of makes us feel a little better about ourselves. And that is just self-righteousness is all it is. There's a book by Jerry Bridges called Respectable Sins. And in this book, he talks about how those who attend church on a regular basis have a tendency to, and this is a quote, greatly grieve the sexual sins of our culture, but we don't shed a tear for selfishness, a critical spirit, impatience, and anger. He goes on to explain that the reason we do this is because we have a tendency to take our cues from society instead of our cues from Scripture as to what is shameful and what is acceptable. Think about it this way. When was the last time you called a friend on the carpet for being selfish? When was the last time you said something about someone being critical or having a divisive spirit for sharing gossip in the form of a prayer request, for being impatient, for being angry? And again, those of you who think I'm talking about somebody else, Maybe it's best to start thinking about yourself. We need to examine ourselves. Third thing, profile superstars, what do they love to do? Love to talk about our accomplishments. Love to talk about our accomplishments. In the middle of this prayer, the Pharisee, what does he say? He goes, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of my income. I give a tenth of all I get. Look at me. Look at how spiritual I am. And in the Old Testament, it talks about people fasting once a week. And fasting is simply not eating and going without food and spending the time that you would usually do that with food to spend time in prayer and Bible study and growing closer to God. This Pharisee, he's doing more than what God had asked him to do or what God had commanded. He's not fasting just one day a week. He's fasting two days a week. And can I tell you, there's nothing wrong with that except... Jesus was making the point that he wasn't doing it out of love and devotion to him. Instead, he was doing it to pad his religious profile. He was trying to impress people. Look at me. I'm extra spiritual because I fast two days a week. It reminded me of a post that I read on someone's wall. I had to go back and find it. But the post said, basically, I was reading and praying the scripture all morning, and I was so caught up in it that I forgot to leave to pick up my child from preschool. And when I read that, I thought, Really? So, 
being spiritual makes you a bad parent. Is that really what God wants? Does that make you super spiritual? Verse 13, Jesus says, But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Happen to notice that while the Pharisee was busy praying and telling God how good he was, the Pharisee couldn't even look up to heaven? That's humility. I think Jesus would rather have something real and authentic from a sinner than something fake from a pious religious leader. The man was honest about his own failures. He was brutal about who he was, and and he was broken about what he had done. He, He wasn't bragging about it on Facebook status like, I got wasted last night. I was hammered, LOL. Is that funny? This tax collector, he was contrite. He said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And that's the difference here that that I think that Jesus is trying to show between these two people. It's the acknowledgement of wrong and the desire to be restored. The Pharisee stands in the crowd wearing his long robes and impressive phylacteries and he gives a tip of his income and he's talking about how good he is and it's not real. It's just not real. And Jesus says he can keep it. The tax collector is standing there by himself and he's, he's crying out to God in brokenness saying, I'm a sinner, have mercy on me. And that's what gets God's attention. And that brings me to challenge number two. The second thing I want to challenge you with this week that I challenge me with, all of us. First one is to serve in hiddenness and the second one is to repent in brokenness. We need to repent in brokenness. Repent in brokenness and that self-righteousness will start to fade away. But it's not until we're willing to truly repent, be broken, and to want to change that we can get rid of this self-righteousness wherever we are on that scale. I want to invite the band to come, and and they're going to lead us in an invitation song. And and as they do, um, I want to say a few things. I know we have a a few first-time visitors uh, who don't usually attend this church. And and can I just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that, that as Jesus' followers, oftentimes we don't do a better job of representing Him. I'm sorry that if you grew up in a home where your parents took you to church every weekend and they drank themselves silly or, or neglected you during the week. I'm sorry that if you grew up in a Christian home where they didn't really act like Christians. I'm sorry that if you have a friend who is a Christian, a Christian co-worker maybe, and they wear a Christian t-shirt on casual Friday and then they gossip about you in the break room. I'm sorry if you have a neighbor who every Sunday morning religiously pulls out of his driveway and he goes to church and you know that's where he's going and then he tells disgusting racial jokes at the, the community picnic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for those things. I'm sorry if you work at CVS or the grocery store or wherever you work and, and some local pastor was rude to you. Because that's the problem. And I don't just apologize for other people. I apologize for me. Because I can't do it either. And that's the only way I think we can truly get rid of this self-righteous profile. So let me tell you, confession time from your pastor. I'm sorry if I said I would pray for you, and then I didn't. I'm sorry if I stood up here and said this, and you think I've got it all figured out, because I don't. I'm sorry that if I stood up here and talked about being a good husband and being a good father, and then went home and 
was selfish and was impatient with my family. I'm sorry that even now, honestly, there's a part of me that hopes in saying I'm sorry that you'll think I'm more spiritual. How do we wrestle with this? We just have to be authentic. We have to be real. And we want this church to be a place where you don't have to pretend. Where you can be who you are. Where we don't have to make up that false profile. Where we can attempt to be real and authentic in each and every relationship. That we know that each other don't have it figured out. You know that we don't have it figured out. But we're going to go through this and we're going to do our absolute best. We're going to do everything we can and, and know we won't do it perfectly, but with God at the center of all we do, we will strive to honor Him and to bring glory to Him and to make Him famous. That's what we want to do. And we invite as many people as possible to join us in that journey. If you're new with us here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ or if you don't attend church anywhere or if you're just tired of pretending, maybe you just want somebody to pray with you. Maybe you need to turn your life over to Christ and be obedient to Him and accept His free gift of salvation. If that's you, then we invite you to come. Ian and the band, they're going to lead us in this invitation song. You make your way over to the cross. We'll meet you there. Stand with me. Let's sing.